God can't bless who you pretend to be or who you compare yourself to. He can only bless you and the lane that was created for you. I feel that for somebody. You don't need no edge entity. You need boundaries. What? I don't need your likes. I don't need your validation. All I need is a God fighting for me that says all things, all things, all things. Isn't it interesting how we have the audacity to say that we would never do something before we ever attempt it. Maybe it's the underlying worry of the outcome. I don't know. Eventually, though, God does nudge us into it and we end up enjoying it. For instance, my co-host Jessica Brewington wasn't even trying to boil anybody's water about a year ago and now sis is basically a whole sous chef while hosting friends and family every chance she gets. But you know what? That's not it. She's also learned so much about reconstructing the ideas of how she's supposed to show up in the world, how she is to engage in marriage, but most importantly, how she can begin to really exhale worry the worry that all of us carry when we're trying to prove our worth and our value whatever it is that you're refusing to do just know that God knows you'll do it well and enjoy it think about that and call me back but after this podcast let's holler at Jessica Jessica, you look like a queen. You look stunning. It's doing what needs to be done. It's giving what needs to be gave. You look beautiful. Thank you. You do too. You do. You understood the assignment. You know what? I they told me that I was going to be speaking with someone from the ATL, and I said one thing you're not going to be is ashy or raggedy when speaking to someone from the Atlanta. Okay. Don't put that much pressure on me. (laughs) (laughs) How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing really, really well. I'm having a good day. Good. Good. Thank you for doing this with me. It's good to see you too. How? What made you want to be a co-host? You know what? I first of all, I admire you. I just finished reading your book maybe a month ago. Um, I've done a read along with a few women and we read through your entire book. And when I tell you it changed my life, Mm. just from from the first page, I was like, listen, I have to do a read along to this because I can't just keep it to myself. I need to be able to share it with other women. We need to dialogue about it. And together, you know, we can change the world by ourselves, you know, just one day at a time, make a small impact. But when you gather with other women, like-minded women, as you know, you can do so much more. So I love that's what what I did. What do you think was like the greatest takeaway you got from doing it with the other women or from the book in general? Just being able to, to share ideas and understand that you're not going through it by yourself and that I'm not the only one who faced these challenges. I'm not the only one who sometimes feels like I'm not enough. I'm not the only one. Um, and a support system to keep going. Right. So sometimes it was like, Oh yeah, I know I got to get on the call, talk about the book. I'm tired, but I know they count on me. So I'm gonna push through. I'm gonna read my chapter. So I'm gonna be able to, you know, contribute to the conversation. So it was, it was awesome. That's amazing. Well, thank you for bringing those women together in community and for really creating a space for change and transformation. I really believe that when we do have a woman that we have everyone connected to her because when a woman experienced something, she wants everyone to know about it. Yeah, absolutely. Was Eve your homegirl before you read Woman Evolve or no? 
you know what? She wasn't. <laughs> she wasn't. I was like, girl, could you just, ooh. no, but it's funny because I never thought about it that way. And so when you wrote the book and it was from that perspective, I was like, she's right. And we're all Eve. We've all had those moments when we knew better, but didn't do better. Yeah. Um, and we just decided to do what we wanted to do. Um, and although it might not have impacted as many people as Eve, it still had some implications to it. And so, um, just being more empathetic mm-hmm. and understanding that it's okay to mess up, but it's about getting up and, and learning from your mistakes. So yeah, Eve is now my homegirl. Come on now. Oil. When is the <laughs> last time you looked yourself in the mirror or thought to yourself, I am in some Eve behavior right now? Like when is the Ooh. most recent Eve moment that you've had? You know, the honest answer to that is is it's been a while because I've been very intentional within these last few months um, Mm. on working on me and doing better and and being the best Jessica that I can be, not comparing myself to where others are. Um, I'm about to be 35 in February. And I was like, you know what? I just feel like I should have done so much more or I could have done so much more and I should be in this particular place. And not giving myself grace, you know? Mm. And so I decided like, you know what, Jessica, you are enough. You are exactly where God wants you to be. Yeah. And you just need to take one day at a time, make those decisions that work towards your, your dreams and towards the will of God that he's placed on your life. And you'll get there yeah. in his timing, not yours. <laughs> and you have to be okay with that. Um, so yeah, I, I've just really been intentional each day to just be the best Jessica that I can be. No regrets, no, no nothing. Jessica, I want to be like you when I grow up because I was in my Eve bag last Wednesday. Let me tell you, we took these children to Disneyland. <laughs> what you do? <laughs> Let me tell you, we took these kids to Disneyland and all the big kids went and got on a ride that my daughter Ella couldn't get on. And we started off walking around the uh-huh. park, you know. I didn't realize they wouldn't be in line that long. So she was like, can we walk over there? I'm like, no, it's monsters over there. <laughs> she was like, can we walk over there? I'm like, no, that ride is shut down. Let me tell you, lying my butt off on the happiest place on earth. So I I feel like I want to be more like you when I grow up because I was in full Eve behavior. I was like, you better hope nobody comes out of that ride that you didn't told her is shut down. But, you know, right. that's all right. God is working on us all. <laughs> All and all the time. Yeah. All the time. All the time. What you said yep. about really giving yourself permission to be where you are at this stage of your life is something that I feel like so many of us work through as women, just giving ourselves permission mm-hmm. to not necessarily be on the track that we had in mind. But sometimes I wonder like, who said we had to be here by now? Who said we had to be there? Like we had to be married. We had to have the children. These self-imposed expectation, cultural expectations that make us feel less worthy and less value because we haven't arrived somewhere by a certain age is really just all a figment of an imagination, I think, because I speak to so many women who end up saying the same thing. So I'm wondering, like, maybe this thing doesn't even exist we just took hold of a lie at an early age you know I think it's that's a great point and I think it has something to do um with your upbringing as well yeah and those role models and those environments that you saw growing up Um, my parents have been married for like 36 37 years and they teach premarital 
I've seen them go through the ups and downs. I saw my mom, you know, cooking every day for us when we got home, having a meal on the table, dessert afterwards, knocking out homework, you know, all of those things. And so when I got married back in March, right before uh, the pandemic, this is the expectation that I thought my husband had Mm. was like, when I come home every night, there needs to be food on the table and that's your responsibility. And so, you know, I'm trying to be a good wife doing it every day. And I'm just like, oh, this is a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And so we find, and even when he would come in the kitchen, he would offer to help like wash the dishes. And I'm like, no, I, I got it. I'm, I'm every woman. I can do it all. I can work, come down to the kitchen, cook and, and take care of the house. And one day I just had to stop myself and I'm like, but why are you doing this? Yeah. And you're like, okay, because my mom did, but my mom and I are two different people. You know, we were in two different time periods when this was happening. And so it might've been more realistic, you know, because she was just working and taking care of the kids, but I'm working. I have a nonprofit organization. I have a puppy. I have, you know, travel that I do for work 80% of the time. So our lives are different. And so my husband and I had to have a conversation and figure out what worked for us. So if I cook, then you clean, or sometimes you cook and I'll clean, you know, and figure out what, what works, but you're right. We, we self-impose those. And the thing that we don't do is stop and, and try to figure out where does, where did this come from? Yeah. And how can I navigate it and communicate with the person, you know, if it's your husband or if it's your best friend, your sister, whatever, let's talk about it. Yeah. How can we change this? Do we need to change this? So yeah, I completely agree. Let me tell you, I am not every woman. I cannot <laughs> be, I've met a lot of women and I cannot be any of them. I can only be my woman, my definition of it. And that means that I am going to have to adjust other people's yeah. expectations, my expectations, my childhood preconceived notions to step into who I am in this moment. I may not be able to cook every night and wash the clothes mm-hmm. and fold the clothes. I may have to ask for help. I may have to right. not do it at all. But this idea idea that I'm going to be every woman is something that we can no longer subscribe to because when we do try to become every woman we end up depressed we end up lost we are anxious because we try to be every woman and God's not calling you to be every woman he's calling you to be the woman for this season in your role in your life in your marriage and our job is to figure out who is this woman not every woman and if we are studying every woman and saying I need to be like this for I need to have Mm -hmm. her abs her mind, her business skills, her prayer life, then who's going to be us? And I don't want to be a mosaic of all of the other women I've been exposed to. I want to tap into the authenticity of who I am. And that does take a serious intentionality and a releasing. Um, mm-hmm. This month Recording at Woman Evolve, we're talking about exhaling worry. And I feel like that is one of the things that we have to let go of when we step into our identity is exhaling the worry that if I am not this woman that has been drawn out in my imagination, then I have somehow failed or don't have worth right. and value. How did you do that? You know, and I'll tell you where the the false um, idea that I had to be every woman came from. I was dating a guy and um, he was one of those who liked to debate, mm. you know. And so he told me, he was like, do you or he asked me, do you think that you can have it all? Can you be the CEO of the company? Can you be the good wife? Can you be the good mother? Can you have it all? And I was like, absolutely. Why can't I? And he, his response to me was Absolutely. No, you can't. Wow. Something you're going to lack. 
something is not, you're not going to be a hundred percent in because women just can't be at all. And so from that conversation years ago, I always had this mentality, like I can do it all. Mm. I can have the job. I can have the husband. I can have the kids. And and I, that's where I was pushing so hard and I wasn't giving myself grace and I wasn't setting up what Jessica needed. I was yeah. just trying to prove a point. Mm. And so it wasn't until conversations with some of my line sisters um, that are mothers now and married and we just can't do it all. Yeah. And sometimes I have to call a nanny, you know, and that's okay. Yeah. And giving myself grace, having those conversations, picking up your book. Um, I picked up Yvonne Orgy's book. Love yeah. that one. I'm reading Michael Todd's crazy face. So just a combination of things. It just opened my eyes to this bigger picture. And it wasn't about trying to prove a point anymore. It was trying to, to, to be the best Jessica, the happiest Jessica that I can be. And it doesn't matter what other people think about it. It's about me. And, and I say, it's the season of me and I'm on a journey to 35 and I'm excited about it. That's the Issa Rae say it's me season. Beyonce, <laughs> please season. don't release an yes. album. What you just said about proving a point, it just resonates with my spirit so much because I've been praying just about different things that have happened in my life. And I have felt like over and over again that I did not experience true freedom, true power and anointing and confidence and peace until mm-hmm. I was no longer trying to prove a point. And I think this is worthy of dissection because mm-hmm. I don't know if it's something that we learn in grade school or if it is just innately in the culture, this idea of we need to prove ourselves. But when you live a life trying to prove who you are, then you never get to become who you are. You never get to live in your own skin because you're trying to prove that you exist, that you have the right right to be in the room, that you have the right to be in a relationship instead of just owning that. You know, I think we should go from proving a point to owning our existence in such a way that it doesn't matter whether or not you make space for me or not. I'm supposed to be here. It doesn't matter whether you get it or not. I'm supposed to be here. And what I I long for is for us to come to a place where we can own who we are, regardless mm-hmm. of what we've gone through. This is who I am. I'm a teen mother. I've remarried. I'm a blended family. You know what I mean? I'm a young mm-hmm. woman in ministry. This is who I am. And I don't want to have to prove to anyone that I belong to take up space. I just want to take the space and let them adjust later. And yet yes. that does require an awareness of our patterns. When is the first time, or maybe you can take us into a moment where you realize mm-hmm. I'm not even doing this for me. I'm doing it to prove something to someone else. That's a good question. Come on, sis. <laughs> I will say that I work in a male dominated industry and that is a struggle every day Mm. because you constantly have to prove yourself. Yeah. You know, um, not only being a woman, but being an African-American woman. And so for so long, I felt like I continued to have to prove myself in those spaces. And just recently it was like, you know what, what God has for me is for me. And it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the table. It doesn't matter who else is there? If, if he's prepared this for me and he said, Jessica, this is yours, that's it. And when you live 
from that perspective, that's freeing. That's release, releasing because it's not like this pressure. It's not this frustration. You're not battling anybody. It's just like, okay, you you said I'm not supposed to be here. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll see about that. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Because you already know what's going to happen. And so, yeah, just constantly feeling like I had to prove myself in my career um, has been one of the biggest challenges um, that I faced. One thing I love about Woman Evolve is the community and safe space we've built with one another. I receive countless messages with personal stories ranging from experiences with anxiety and depression to advice on how to settle family conflicts or work through self-esteem issues. I don't have all the answers, but I refuse to leave y'all hanging. Your mental health is too important to me. I want you to start living a happier life today with assistance from BetterHelp. As a listener of the Woman Evolve podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash evolve. A safe and private online environment, BetterHelp assesses your needs before matching you with one of their licensed professional therapists. It's also free and easy to change your counselor if you need to in the future. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. With the ability to message your counselor at any time, join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. It's convenient, affordable, and confidential. You can join today and start communicating in less than 24 hours and any time after that. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash evolve. That's so, I, I mean... I, even though I have woman evolve as a female minister, I am in a male dominated space. Yes. And yeah. there are so many times where people are like, especially when I'm speaking to men and women, where it's like, you're not going, you'll only be speaking to the women and the men will just be there, you know, overlooking yeah. what's happening in the room. <laughs> and there have been countless times where like male pastors have kind of like, you know, kind of like tapped me on my shoulder, like, oh, you know, good, good girl, good job. And it is not until the glory of God shows up over my life that there has to be a respect for what God has given me. And I feel Mm -hmm. like if you are a woman in any field, that at the end of the day, you cannot debate glory. Like if you are anointed for those numbers, sis, you work that accounting job, like the glory of God falls on those numbers. If you are anointed for that publicity, whatever it is that you do, the glory is not up for debate. And so I do believe that our job is to make space for the glory, is to make Mm -hmm. space for not my pride, not my ego, but for the glory to show up so that God can sort out who's for me and who's against me. God can sort out the opportunities. But at the end of the day, it's just the glory is not up for debate. I want to ask you kind of the same question, but I want to flip it a little bit. So you told me about a time where you came to this place where you no longer were worried about proving a point. Mm-hmm. What was the worry? I want to ask this the right way. What do you think the okay. initial worry was? Like, if I don't prove this point, then I will lose my job. If I don't prove this point, then maybe I don't have worth. Maybe I don't have value. Um, yeah. What was your worry? It was definitely about not being enough. Yeah. It was definitely about not being enough. Maybe I'm not 
as smart as I think I am. Maybe I'm not as valuable to the company as I think I am. Maybe there's somebody better who should have this position. Um, it, it was just about not being enough. Yeah. <laughs> and oftentimes when you, when you go back to the root of it, it's feeling undervalued, like you're not enough for whatever it is. But the exciting thing that I'm waiting for is for the story to kind of come to a point where it's like, and even now in my journey, I can say, but God did that. Yeah. And even though people were like, oh, well, that's not going to happen because that's not the way the organization works or that's not going to happen because that's never happened in the history of this organization. I'm waiting for the day where it's just like, how did that happen? And I can say, but God, yeah, you didn't think an African-American could be in this position, but God, he said it was mine and it is. And then that just share. That's another testimony. That's how you, you know, shine your light because I, I know, like you know, sometimes we're the only Jesus that people will see For before sure. they get in the church. Before they open a Bible, it's the people who they encounter. And what does your life say about the God that you serve? Yeah, is it somebody that I want to get to know? Are you cursing out people? And you know, every time something goes wrong, you cursing up a storm and shutting the door, and you know that I don't want to get to know any, I mean, I don't need to get to know anybody like that. Yeah. So what does your life say that says, you know, that draws people to want to get to know him and want to have a relationship with him? Because that's, that's why we're here. That's, that's such an amazing train of thought to recognize that you are representation. Like wherever you go, I am representing God. Go. Yeah. Wherever you go, I'm representation. Um, I'm wondering as you really begin to rest in this fact that you don't have to prove a point and really took mm -hmm. value in your worth and took it seriously. What type of, I don't know, affirmations, scriptures. How did you rewire your mind to come to a place where you didn't need to perform in, edit, in order to be worthy, but you just rested in worth? And I want to ask this because I am coming to a place within myself where I feel like I am learning to rest in God's love, to rest in my husband's love, because I feel like that same idea of I need to perform in order to be worthy. I need to perform in order to be adequate, in order to prove mm -hmm. that I deserve to be in this marriage, that I deserve to be in this ministry. Right. And I'm coming to a place where it is like that reckless love, right? Like you couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. And so you're giving this love to me. How do you rest in the love of God that makes you worthy, that makes you uh confident that allows you to be mm -hmm. transformed uh, without fear that it'll be taken away or that if you don't do something right, that you'll lose it. One is a process. I'm not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> so every, every day, every decision, it, you know, either gets me a little bit closer to that place or it takes me one step back, but I'm still, that's my goal. Um, it, it's really being intentional and mindful about what you're feeding your soul. Mm -hmm. It's about picking up content and material that will feed your soul. Yeah. And so like your book really helped me. I just, I don't know, know if you understand how deeply yeah. it helped me, but it did. And then that's when I did the Yvonne Orgy book. And I, I started um, with uh, Michael Todd's relationship goals. Yeah. And now I'm reading his crazy faith. So all of this is just like, feeding me, feeding me motivation, fuel. 
even um, the music I listen to. My husband is a, a music director at our church. And so he has a gospel playlist because he's constantly learning music, constantly, um, you know, playing new songs and things like that. And so his gospel playlist is over a thousand songs. Wow. So when I get in the car, I worship, Mm -hmm. I praise in the shower. I talk to God. That's where I just, God just wake me up this morning. Thank you so much for waking me up. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for everything that you've allowed me to see, have, Thank you for ordering my steps. Yeah. And now I just ask that your will be done because I can think of something that I want, but every time that I have, you know, dreamt of something or wanted something and he's closed those doors, he has always given me better, Mm. greater, bigger than I could have ever imagined. And so just allowing God to be God. And when you've seen him work in your life and when you know him and when you've seen him work in other people's lives, it's kind of hard not to just trust in him, you know, and be excited and and be in anticipation on what he's about to do next and how he's going to use you. And so I'm constantly in that space and I'm like, God, I know it has to get better because my best days are ahead of me. So what's up? What what, what are we going? What are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) So it's just having it's, it's really about being intentional. Um, and about feeding your soul, understanding that it's a process, it's a decision by decision type of situation. And just because you might make one wrong decision, that's fine. Just get back up and make the next decision the best one, yeah. the better one that you had, you know? So yeah, I think that's how I've gotten to that that space. Um, but still in process, yeah. not not there yet. I'm in process too. And what I hear you saying is basically a, a renewing of your mind. I Mm -hmm. feel like one, an acknowledgement. When you acknowledge that somewhere along the way, my mind became wired for shame, wired for worry, wired for doubt, wired for insecurity, low self-esteem. That's a computer working in your mind that is always going to bring you to the total of you don't belong to be here, the total of see you're not worthy, see you're not valuable. And I have been intentionally kind of rewiring my mind to get to a place of worthy and not shame. And that does require slowing down. You cannot be on autopilot and have your mind renewed. You cannot be on autopilot and see transformation, your worth and your ability to really believe that worth and be confident in it will not happen unless you slow down the rhythm that has led you to shame, the rhythm that's led you to insecurity and say, I'm going to change this path, right? It's not working for me feeling mm-hmm. insecure, feeling like I'm not wor- uh, like like I'm not worthy. That doesn't work for me anymore. I want to really lay hold of the promises of God. I want to believe like other people believe. I want to be confident yeah. the way other people are confident. So I'm going to have to change my mind about me. That is the most powerful gift that anyone can give themselves is the realization mm-hmm. that I'm going to change my mind about me and change my mind to start leaning towards the direction of who God says I am. And I have found yeah. that in stillness and peace and meditation that I am able to accept the truth about who God says I am. But whenever my life starts speeding up and I'm like barely holding things together, that's when I Mm -hmm. see myself slipping again, feeling unworthy, feeling inadequate because I've allowed the pace to outrun my peace. And what we have to do is find a way to make sure that our pace is in the rhythm of our peace or we got to slow down and change everything again. You know, one of the the nuggets that you put in the book was about soul care, right? And that's how we do that. That's how we slow down and feed ourselves and and pay attention to ourselves. 
Um, Brene Brown. Love her. Awesome. A author. Oh my goodness. Stan. Yeah. She Listen. does what needs to be done. <laughs> she, every single time, you know, I watch her Ted talks. I read her books, dare to lead about Unlocking being vulnerable yeah. and leading through courage. You know, it's just all of these things, um, that you can do to, protect yourself to heal yourself, but you have to give yourself time. So one of the other things that I did, and I believe you, you kind of recommended this in your book was um, watching the the content that you take in. So yeah. taking some time away from the news and taking time away, especially from social media, because it's so easy to get caught up in what other people are doing and not focusing on you. And so you're in this mode, like, Oh, they're doing this. So I have to do this too. No, that's that's not your race. Yeah, that's what they did. You don't know, you know, how long it took them to get to that point. You don't know the struggles that they have at night when they're not on social media. Right. So, you know, just taking some time to breathe and the time that you would spend on social media, investing you. Yeah. So whether that's picking up a book, you know, writing some a business plan, whatever that is, and you'll see that you get a lot done. We spend a lot of time on social media. And so we if we just flip that time and um, invest in ourselves. I think we'll see the the fruition of it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm doing some investing in myself this week just by like taking time, Good. stepping away and really breathing, you know, having that blank space, that white space where there's nothing on the docket and there's an opportunity for you to just check in with your own soul. I can feel yep. the fragility connected to that moment. Like I can feel mm -hmm. finally having space to come undone because we just weren't meant to carry all of these things that we carry. And if you create space for you to come undone, then you won't blow up in your life because a right. lot of us are blowing up because we didn't create space to come undone. You, I think the fear is that if you come undone, that you won't know how to come back together. And maybe there's a beauty in that too, because maybe the way that you're put together right now isn't how you're supposed to be functioning. So if you would allow yourself to come undone from that space, you can see how can I be built anew, not back to who mm -hmm. I used to be, not back to who everyone loved and needed, but how can I be built on something that is more solid and is my truth? And it sounds like that's exactly yeah. what you did even in your relationship with your husband really deciding mm -hmm. I need to come undone so that I can build a reflection, a marriage that is a reflection of what I need for my life. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And having a partner that understands that and gets that, it's a blessing. Yeah. It's a blessing. And it, and and I was I I was on the fast track to a horrible marriage. Um I said yes to a person who I knew I knew it wasn't right. I mm -hmm. knew it wasn't God sent, but it was, it became more about, oh, I'm supposed to be married by this certain age and I'm almost there and I'm dating him. So, and finally God was just like, you need to release that. And as soon as I did, and I was able to focus on me and get back to him. Yeah. My husband had been sitting in my face the entire time. I grew up in the church that he works at. You better. So... <laughs> God did that. <laughs> God did that. Look, and the face, the glow is telling us that God then did it and continues to do it. And he's continuing to do it. Okay? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> As a member of a growing team, 
Speed and alignment help us process, clarify, and manage multiple projects at one time. Notion is a hub that provides one central and customizable workplace. You can tailor it to fit any team. It's for companies of all sizes. Notion eliminates the need to organize on one platform and project manage on another. It is easy to use and so beautifully designed that everyone will want to use it. Learn more and get started for free at Notion.so. You can check it out on your own and invite as many folks as you want to see how it works. With powerful integrations and seamless navigation, you'll have everything you need in one spot so you can make speed your advantage. Find out how Notion may be the missing piece your team needs. Take the first step towards an organized, happy team today. Again, at Notion.so. What's been like the greatest thing you've learned about marriage, like since the time you've been married, like the number one lesson that you keep relearning about marriage? Communication. Yeah. Communication. It, it is truly all about communication. It's about your timing, your tone, your tact. It's about um, speaking to him in his love language and him speaking to you in your love language. Um not putting false expectations on your partner. Yeah. Not, you know, um, you're, although your partner might, they may bring you joy. That's not their sole purpose. Right. And you have to be able to sustain that for yourself. Yeah. And so not really having these, again, these false expectations for you, for your spouse is, is life changing, but that communication piece is something that we constantly work on. And even after, you know, arguments will take a pause and we'll come back and we'll say, okay, well, how could we have done that differently? Cause I didn't really go right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I, and before I got married, I heard that from everybody. Communication is That's key. What Communication everyone is says. Key. <laughs> <laughs> and I just didn't realize how big it actually plays a part in your marriage. It's really, I think. What it's, about you? No, I was going to say, I think it's really hard to explain unless you're you're in it, right? It's like the advice that mm-hmm. you're giving, like my daughter's 12 and I'm like, girl, you're going to wish you was 12 in 20 years. <laughs> and like, you just don't get it until you get there. Yeah. But I yeah. do think um, communication is, it's is communication. I will tell you though, because we already said communication. So I'm going to give another one. I think the greatest lesson that I continue to learn over and over again in my marriage is you're safe here. You're safe here. Um, because I think it's, I feel like it's similar to our relationship with God and that you kind of feel like if you see this part of me, if I'm having a bad day and I'm short, like if these things happen, will you still value me the way that you valued me when I walked down the aisle? Will you still see me in that same way that you see me? And I am learning that I'm safe enough to have those bad days to apologize for them and for the love to still stay intact. Um, I'm learning that I can dream big dreams and they can be safe in the context of my marriage, that his uh, thoughts or his uh, 
um, we call it pulling at the ten strings, right? So if I have mm-hmm. an idea, he start to me when we first got married, I was like, "You're you're poking holes in my dreams," and he's like, <laughs> "You're poking you're poking holes and look at look at all of that hope coming out of my uh-huh. dream." But he's like, "No, I'm making your dream stronger. I'm helping you to understand yeah. what adversity is connected to it." And I think for uh, because at the end of the day, we end up feeling like little girls in marriage. It felt like, oh my gosh, I'm not safe enough to dream here, but my husband wants mm-hmm. to see my dream become more vast and more powerful and more beautiful. And so he gives me yeah. a perspective that helps me to dream a fuller dream, a dream that's in yeah. color and not just black and white. But I had to learn to be safe. Every part of me can be safe in the context yeah. of this marriage. So I think that's the greatest lesson I continue to learn. Yeah, my husband's the same way. I'm, I am the creative in our relationship. And he's more of the, like, how is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? Like putting the logistics to make sure that we can actually execute it. And so he constantly does that to me, but there is so much power in the well-roundness of that dream now, right? Because you're able to think about it from different perspectives so that you really can execute it. Because half the time, I just have the bigger picture. Be out here, just out here swimming. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, but how are we getting there? And so I really appreciate him um, for that. The other thing I was going to say is that um, it's painful, but your your spouse is like your mirror, yeah. right? You see your true self with your spouse. I mean, you could front all you want, but eventually you're going to see. And there's some things that my husband used to tell me. And I'm like, I don't do that. No, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> That's just you. <laughs> and then over time, I'm like, oh my God, I do do that. And so they they truly become your, your like your the mirror that you look into, and it's like this is really who I am, and you're able to correct in yeah. a safe, like you said, in a safe environment, and you know that they're not telling you anything to harm you or hurt you or anything like that, but it's only to make you better, and you're the same for your spouse. So um, yeah, that was a painful lesson, but it's it's one that I value now. It sounds elementary, but I highly advise that you not marry someone whose thoughts you don't value. Because when you marry someone because you all like to do the same things and you like to watch the same shows, like... It's nice you're so tired. You don't even turn the TV on. All right. So this can't be about the same movies and the same music. And it can't be about the check that you have or don't have. You need to marry someone whose thoughts you value. Because one day that person is going to be thinking on your behalf. When you're raising Mm -hmm. children, when you're in a hospital, when he's got to make a decision about money and you're not around, this person is going to be thinking on your behalf. So if you were dating someone and they don't have a thought in their whole head, now you know. (laughs) sometimes holy ghost that not a thought nowhere running around it's just nothing but emptiness in there you may want to pivot and be with someone whose thoughts and opinions you value because you are going to build a life together and you want to know that that side of your life that side of the house that you're going to have to live in is sturdy and secure and that is one of the most beautiful lessons that I learned through all of my different relationships and heartbreak is that at the end of the day, I want to be with someone whose thoughts I value. Yeah, I love that. I love that. We're going to answer an advice question together. Oh, cool. (laughs) First of all, I love when the question, when the advice question starts off saying this is a really long story. (laughs) 
I love it because let me tell you something, Jessica, just between me and you, like it is a long mm-hmm. story, but like they still leave details out. And so now I'm invested in this long story, but I don't know when folks met. I don't know what kind of tone they had when they said right. what they said to you. So we're going to go forward anyway, see what happens. Okay. Okay. This is a really long story with a few questions in between, but I'll try to make it as short and straightforward as possible. I'm not sure if there's an age requirement for the podcast, but I'll ask for advice anyway. I lost my sister in 2019 and it took a huge toll on me. I battled with remaining close to God and after a while, I started to struggle with anxiety as well. I get scared once it's nighttime and I have this constant fear of losing another loved one. I'm also Mm -hmm. struggling with a pornography addiction. I know everyone says to pray to God, but I get scared of praying as well, especially at night. What should I do? I'm 17 and sometimes feel like my dreams are bigger than me. I also know that God has this great plan for my life, but how do I bring all that out with all the problems I'm going through? I've always believed in the saying, you can't pour from an empty cup. So I've been trying to work on myself completely before I try to start to impact the lives of others. But recently I've been seeing and hearing a lot of things saying there's no perfect time to start or that you shouldn't wait to be a master at something, but be willing to be a student of Christ. I want to start a YouTube channel to inspire others through my story, but I feel like the story isn't complete yet, so I can't start it. How can I try to teach others when I have my own problems? I also want to raise money to send home to Nigeria to help pay the hospital bills of people who are kept there because they aren't able to pay and provide items for as much of the less for as much of the less privileged as I can for my birthday in January. But I feel like no one will take the fundraiser seriously since I'm 17. These, among many other reasons, are why I think my dreams are bigger than me. I'd really love advice on how I can get closer to God and overcome all I'm going through in my life as well as work towards my dreams. Thank you. Jess, she gave us she she wasn't lying. She said it's a long story with a few questions. Uh, I want to start by saying, first of all, there is no age requirement, not just to send in a question, but to be purposeful and powerful in the kingdom of God. So all of these desires that you have, these dreams that God has given you, there is no age requirement on them. The only thing that I will say is this, that to your point about pouring from an empty cup, you've got to know what you're imparting in someone. When you talk about ministry, when you talk about YouTube, you have to know what you're giving them. And it sounds like you're still trying to figure out what it is that you have yourself. And that is no indictment. That happens at 17. Mm -hmm. That happens at 70. That happens at Mm -hmm. 37. It happens at 50. We have to know what we're giving someone. That is where the vision begins. So I think that you mentioned some things here. Um, You're experiencing grief. You're experiencing anxiety. You have an addiction. These are all areas where you want to heal and develop so that when you begin to pour into other people's life, you have power connected to the vision. A lot of times we have vision, but we don't have power connected to the vision. And power is what allows it to go from just living inside of us to motivating motivating someone else to tap into that power, right? When Jesus anointed the disciples, he says, I'm giving you 
power. What do you need that power for? Because you're going to need power to break things off of other people. You're going to need power to see them be healed. And until you experience that power for yourself, you're not able to properly tell other people about it. I highly suggest you get unplugged into therapy. You've experienced a major loss with the loss of your sister, and it's still with you to navigate that grief, to navigate what that pornography is doing to you for you. You said you're addicted. Addiction for me is always a symptom of a deeper need, a deeper issue. Mm -hmm. What is it that that is feeling down on the inside of you? And to take inventory from that as you heal, as you begin to see restoration and examination so that you can see the areas of your life that need restoration. I think everything with purpose is going to fall in line. I'm going to give you $500 towards your birthday thing that you want to do for the children in Nigeria. So I take you seriously. We'll make sure that we get everything that you need to you so that you can continue to help those back in your country. But I take you seriously. And I know, last thing I'll say, and then I'm going to see what Jessica has to say. (laughs) The fact that this is on your heart at this age, to me, is a sign of what God wants to do through you. Because there are plenty of 17-year-olds who are not focused on reaching towards who they can be in God, who have struggles and addictions and issues, but see it as a part of just their youth and a part of their life. I was one of them. And yet at 17, God has placed an urgency on your heart to really become holy and righteous and to live a life that is a reflection of Him. And I think that that is a sign of the incredible things that God wants to do through you at an early age what you think girl yeah well you know what you you said it (laughs) you know (laughs) but I will add um I will add that I do want to match your 500 to help because I really believe in you as well um and it, it takes courage to even put something out there like that so thank you for doing that um another thing that I'll add is that community is everything. And so mm-hmm. along with therapy, I think that you could definitely um, get like a mentor or get into a community of like-minded people um, who are trying to get where you are, who are already there, right? Have people to, to be able to pour into you. Um, Sarah, your book is amazing. So that's, I, I know you've probably already read it, but if you haven't, go ahead and, and pick that up. Um, but there's a lot of different resources that we were just talking about that are awesome books that can help you. Um, but community pour into yourself get the the content that you need that is going to help you to help you grow and um just do it that's 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 my my motto just do it if god is calling you to do it just do it and there's like like sarah said there's some steps that you have to do to get there but god has got you and you can do anything that you put your mind to so we love you and again thank you so much for sharing We do. Jessica, I love you. I love you. You are such a light. And I can tell that you are the kind of woman that makes other women better because they are connected Mm -hmm. to you. So thank you. Thank you for allowing your light to shine and for all that you're doing to make us better. I have a feeling our paths will cross and I hope to hug on you and love on you face to face. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much for having me. This has been amazing to even have be able to sit here and just have a, a girlfriend chat with yeah. you. Um, awesome, awesome. I love it. So thank you for having me. So honored. My pleasure. You take care. You too. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
It's a whole lot of gems being thrown in this episode, and I know that it has already blessed your life, okay? Uh, Jessica, my friend, you said some things that will for sure help other women like me and you conquer some giants. You are amazing. Like I said, one of those women who just make other women better. I was so blessed by the time that we were able to share. Thank you for matching my donation. We're going to make sure our little sis is able to grow and evolve and help others along the way. You know what's crazy? My next co-host is listening, but still ain't sent me an email. That's crazy. Shoot your shot and stop playing. Email podcast at womanevolve.com. If you're not ready to co-host, that's all right. Go on and use that burner email account and tell me your business so that I can give you some advice. Same email, podcast at womanevolve.com. Either way, we're doing life together, whether you're listening and too scared to send that email or actually going to shoot your shot. We're in this thing together. I need your spirit, your heart, your energy plugged into this podcast. Tell a friend about it, rate it, subscribe it, and then see you next week.